Uh, speaking about the kingdom that, that I just mentioned, that is exactly what we're going to be talking about today. Because, you know, through our series and the parables, we're going to be talking a lot about what Jesus talked about, and that was the kingdom of God. And sure, you know, we're going to get some good wisdom here and there, but our focus is going to be on what Jesus was always focused on and his business. It was the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. And so flip with me, if you will, to Matthew chapter 13. That's where we're going to be camping out. If you've got your Bibles or cellular devices or whatever. Uh, but before we jump into that parable today, we need to connect back to some context that Ryan touched on in his last message. So let's talk about that really quick before we get into the text, right? So just saying also, if you're a note taker, right, today is going to be an awesome day for you because I've got a lot of things you've got to take notes on. And if you don't take notes, today is the best day to start. So in Ryan's last message, he preached about the parable of the sower. And in this parable, uh, he had to explain to his disciples why his kingdom was being ignored and was being doubted and, and fought against by people with different soils in their heart, right? This is what Ryan talked about, different soils in their hearts. His disciples were feeling things and they were asking questions uh, about things that we feel and that we ask questions about today. His disciples were like, you know, Jesus, like, you are here. You are king. So, like, why in the world are things like this? Why are people like this? How can your kingdom be like this? And these questions are what we find ourselves wrestling with today, too, as Christians. And we wrestle with this tension today of, a, uh, of an already but not yet reality. And that because of Jesus, the kingdom of, God, the kingdom of God, it is here and it is with us already, but it is not yet fully here until Jesus returns again. And because of that, we have to live with people with different soils in their heart that reject God, that have fake faith, right? That they don't like the idea of God's kingdom and they want it their own way. And so the disciples saw this problem uh, and they were wondering what to do, right? They were wondering how to live with good soil in their hearts but be surrounded by people with bad soil and with bad seed, right? So Jesus had to redirect their hope in God and re-explain what it means to be a part of God's kingdom on this side of eternity. So if you're taking notes, I would say those are two things to take notes on. Jesus had to redirect their hope in the kingdom of God and to re-explain what it means to be a part of God's kingdom on this side of eternity. So, yep, that's what he's doing in these parables, and that's what I hope that you guys can learn as we dig into this parable. So in the next parable we're about to talk about, Jesus connects it back to the parable of the sower, and he adds more to the convo to show us that God's word uh, is received by some people, and it changes their life, and they're on fire for the Lord, uh, but the reality is that Christians will wrestle uh, with people that have good and, and bad soil, people with good and bad seeds, and because of that, in this, in this side of eternity, right, we're going to have to grow together, okay? That's what the people around Jesus had to learn. That's what the disciples had to accept, and that's what we're going to wrap our minds around tonight, okay, and how to live in God's kingdom. So let's start reading Matthew 13, verses 24 through 30, uh, and this is the next parable that Jesus told. It's the parable of the weeds, which for my Bible nerds in the room, this is also called the parable of the wheat and the tares, and it says this, verse 24, and it'll be up on the screen too, you can follow along. He, Jesus, put another parable before them, saying, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seeds in his field. But while the men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed seeds among the wheat, and he went away. And so when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds also appeared. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seeds in your field? Well, then how then does it have weeds? And he said to them, an enemy has done this. 
And so the servant said to him, then do you want us to go and gather them? Do you want us to go and get these weeds? But he said, no, lest in gathering the weeds, you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. So Jesus taught them another uh, story, right? Another parable. And everyone around him was reacting kind of like you guys right now. Like as I scan the room, your eyes maybe are a little bit glazed over. You're confused. You're not able to fully understand what Jesus is getting at here. Don't worry. I totally get it. Like that makes sense. I feel you. The disciples felt you at that time. And there's good news because Jesus is never trying to confuse us, right? But instead he tries to make things about the kingdom as clear as possible by telling stories. Uh, and you know, things, they stick in our minds more. We remember them more when they're told in the story, right? We love stories as people. And that's why even though these parables may seem confusing to us like it was to the disciples, these parables might have made sense to the farmers that were locally there. They would have understood this when they were listening to Jesus. And so then Jesus goes on, and, and since he saw that there was a need for more clarity, right, he went and taught another parable. If you, if you look down from those verses we just read, he teaches another parable to hopefully help them think about the kingdom a little bit more clearly. And this parable, and we may touch on this uh, earlier in, or later in the series, because we're not going to unpack it today. We don't have time, right? But it's about a mustard seed and some leaven or some yeast, and we're, and we're not going to get into it, but it's there for you guys to read. It's important. It's important. Um, but after Jesus shares the parable, uh, the text goes on to say something awesome. And I really want to reflect on it really quick. So verses 34 through 35, it says this. All these things Jesus said to the crowd in parables. Indeed, he said nothing to them without a parable. And this was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. Okay, so verse 34, it's a little bit of an exaggeration, right? We know that Jesus spoke in more than just stories, right? Uh, it's a hyperbole, right, for my lit people in the room. You get that. So that's a rhetorical tool. It's to emphasize something. And, and in this case, it's to emphasize that our guy, Jesus, loved to tell stories, right? Not only did he like to tell stories a lot to teach, but he also liked to fulfill pro prophecies, which is what verse 35 is talking about. And it's a reference to Jesus fulfilling Psalm 78, verse Two. And I love verse 35, though, because it shows that Jesus, who, follow me, follow me, guys, he was the word at the beginning, and the guy that the Old Testament was pointing to this whole time, he came to speak in stories to help us understand things about God's kingdom that had been hidden in plain sight since the beginning of everything. So Jesus, the guy at the beginning, he, he knows this more than anyone, so of course he's going to tell the best stories ever about it. So Jesus takes these heavenly truths that people then and people now will never fully understand on the side of eternity, right? And he puts them in context we can understand in a story. And he didn't have to for us, but he did. And people back then, you know, they're taught the Old Testament, right? They were taught a ton about what the kingdom of God was going to look like one day and this Messiah that was going to come, but they still couldn't get it. And they were taught what to think over and over again, but they still couldn't understand God's kingdom and how Jesus was going to be the king. And in the same way, I feel that we can be similar sometimes. We're, we're taught in churches what to think over and over and over again, the same message over and over again, but we don't really know how to think to really understand what we should be thinking about. You guys tracking with me, right? It's not about just what you think, it's how you're thinking about it. And that's why I love Jesus, man. And, I, and you guys know I, I love Jesus a lot. I love a lot of things about Jesus. Uh, but the one thing I love the most is that he doesn't just teach us what to think, he also teaches us how to think. And y'all can write that down. That's why he had to teach us 
with stories. And then my hope and goal through my preaching at PVN, and I know Ryan's goal too, is to teach you guys not just what to think about Jesus and how he lived and what his kingdom is gonna be like, but to teach you guys how to think about these things too so that you can think for yourself about them. It's one thing when Ryan says it. It's one thing when I say it, but what are you saying? Who do you say that Jesus is, right? That's why we go so hard every week, digging into texts like this, helping you guys to understand it, teaching you guys through storytelling to model what Jesus did and to help you guys get it now. And yeah, we have some fun doing it. Like for example, one fun thing I'm gonna do is just move this to the side really quick so I can just talk and walk at the same time just because I want to, you know? We're gonna take a little break from the message really quick. There we go, I feel a lot better. Do you guys feel better too? All right, awkward break, we love that. Um, but. I, but we have fun. But as much as we have fun, like Jesus is more concerned about the kingdom of God than how many friends you came into youth with, right? Or how many games of Gaga Ball that you won, three, three, right? Okay, that was me. So Jesus sowed seeds through storytelling. He didn't force his kingdom. He didn't come in with a huge army like everyone wanted him to, right? Or he didn't start a political campaign. He appealed to people's imagination. He's appealing to your imagination right now, to your heart and to your mind for you to get it, for you to know how to think about him. And Jesus gave people hope through telling stories to figure out that there was somewhere greater than where people were currently at and where people were heading to. Do y'all ever daydream? Do y'all ever daydream? Raise your hand if you daydream. I daydream a lot. And we daydream sometimes because we're not being present with where, we're, where we are, right? And we're thinking about where we would want to be. This is, the, this is the hope. This is the thing that you can imagine. This is what Jesus is trying to get you to think about the kingdom of God, right? A place that is better than anything this world has to offer. This place, God's kingdom, is one where there's going to be no more evil. There's going to be no more suffering, no more tears, no more pain, no more broken bones, no more depression, no more anxiety, no more broken family situations. And the best part of all of this is that there's gonna be eternity in relationship with God who made you and loves you. And there's so much to say about what God's kingdom is and how valuable it is. And we're gonna to get to that in this series too, but this is just a little snippet of what that's like. And we're gonna learn more about this place. So that's why Jesus spoke in stories, okay? We love, we love him and we love Jesus. And this is to help us to imagine, to find hope in that kingdom of God. All right, but even after saying these parables, those two parables that I just mentioned, his disciples still don't get it. So what happened next? Let's, let's keep reading. We're gonna go back to verse 36. So get back to your Bibles. And verse 36, then he, Jesus, he left the crowds and he went into the house. And his disciples came to him saying, explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. And so Jesus left the crowds after teaching these parables and his disciples come to him and they pull him to the side, you know, and they say, hey, like, hey, Jesus, you know, man, love, love what you taught about there. That was awesome. But you like, you know that one parable you taught about? Oh, no, no, no. no I, oh, I knew, I knew that you talked about too. Like I was, I was totally listening to Jesus, but like, um, yeah, you, you know, we were just curious talking with the boys and uh, we just really don't know about that whole parable of the weeds thing. We really don't know. And so they ask him about it. And Jesus, being as kind and gracious as he is, he answers, right? He, he gives them an explanation, right? And so it's okay for you guys to have this wrestling with it too, but Jesus gives us an explanation when he didn't have to. And so we're gonna go ahead and walk through Jesus' explanation together, verse by verse, because he can explain it way better than I think anyone else can. So his explanation starts at verse 37. We're gonna read down to 43, and then we'll talk about it. So verse 37, he, Jesus, he answered, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man. And the field is what? The field is the world. And the good seed is what? It's the sons of the kingdom. 
The seeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are the angels. And just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they'll gather out his kingdom and all causes of sin and all lawbreakers and throw them into the fiery furnace. And in that place there will be a weeping and gnashing of teeth. And then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. Another way, I love that statement, another way to say that rhetorical statement that Jesus made is to put it into a question and, and ask, do you have ears? Which like everyone in this room would answer, duh, right, duh. And so Jesus would respond then and say, you got ears? Then you should listen. So in case you weren't listening, let's, let's walk through the explanation uh, so verse 37, we see that Jesus, you know, he calls himself the son of man. Uh, he also calls himself the sower here. And he sows his word with stories, right? We just talked about this. We know this. Uh, but he also says that he sows the good seed. Now, if you look back to what Ryan had preached about a couple weeks ago, if you look back to verse 19, Jesus said the good seed was his, was his what? His word, right? But in verse 38, he said that the good seed is the sons of the kingdom, meaning the people that belong to the kingdom of God. So which one is it, Jesus? Is it, is it your word or is it your people? And Jesus would answer what? It's yes. It's yes, it's both. We need the parable of the sower and the parable of the weeds to understand that Jesus, the sower, he scatters both his word and his kingdom people throughout the world to grow his kingdom. It's both. And where does it say he grows his kingdom? Where does it say? Somebody help me out. It's in the field. It's in the field, right? And what does Jesus say in verse 38 that the field is? Starts with a W, rhymes with hurled. Yeah, world. Good job. Okay, so big stop. We're going to talk about that. It's the world. A lot of people interpret the field to be the church, which even though they have good ideas about that, they miss the point of the parable. And so I want to make sure that you guys get this. The field is the world. And in, in the Greek, this is the word cosmos, right? You guys know that word. Uh, and that, that word was the one that was used, not the Greek word for church, okay? But people still try to interpret Jesus' explanation and say things connecting it to the church. And they'll be like, you know, well, the parable, you see these, these wise theologians, they'll be like, well, the parable is talking about Satan's plan to put fake Christians in the church, and so Christians should be on guard for that and, and fake Christians in their Christian communities. And they also say things like, you know, hypocrites and bad people were in the church and they stay in God's church that needs to be holy. And if church discipline can't correct it, well, we're just gonna have to deal with it until Jesus comes back. Uh, and these, the thing with these ideas, I know I'm kind of downplaying it, but they're not wrong. They're not wrong, right? But if you focus on these things, you're gonna miss the point of the parable, right? You're going to miss the point of the parable. Of course, there's going to be fake Christians in the church. Of course, we know this, right? Of course, you can't remove every person that is an unbeliever or is constantly doing bad things from the church. Church discipline is not always going to be the case, right? But if you stay focused on those things, you're missing the point. What Jesus is saying here in calling the field the world is that God's kingdom is bigger than the church, and the big C church, right? Of course the church is the focus of the kingdom, but it's not the whole kingdom. You know the song, it's like that's got the whole world in his what? In his hands, right? In his hands, you know it. God's kingdom is the church, but it's also, hear me out, it's also the governments of the world. Let that sink in, 2024, right? Let that sink in. It's our schools. 
It's our jobs, it's our families, it's our relationships, right? God's the God of it all, you name it. God's kingdom is the world. Everything is in his hands. God is in control. And we get so focused on the little planet, a lot of us as Christians, we get so focused on the planet that we call church that we forget that God controls the universe, right? So even when Satan resists and when bad things happen in your life, the gospel and the kingdom of God will continue to grow throughout the world. That's the point Jesus is trying to make here. The same God, I love this quote, a uh, pastor said it who is not me, the same God who plants and grows the church is the same God who also protects the church. The same God who plants and grows the church is the same God who also protects the church, even if he doesn't get rid of evil and suffering as fast as we might hope. So God is protecting his people all the way until Jesus comes back where we can all live in his kingdom together forever. But then Jesus talks not just about the wheat and you know the good seed, right? But he also talks about the people that are the weeds, right? So, so who are the weeds? I don't know what kind of weeds you guys were thinking about this whole time. Maybe we need to talk after this or something or talk about it in another sermon or whatever, but Jesus lays out here who the weeds are. So verse 38, uh, the first part of verse 38 and then in uh, 39, we see that the weeds are the sons of the evil one, right? And the enemy who sowed them is the devil, these are the people who do not have good soil in their hearts. We talked about them a couple of weeks ago, right? And in small groups. These are the ones that carry out the bad things that Satan wants to do in the world to ultimately lead people away from God's kingdom, right? That's a big picture. But, the, but here's the thing that we gotta focus on with this verse specifically and looking back to the parable. The worst part is that these weeds look a lot like wheat, okay? So what do you, what do you mean? Weeds, wheat should be different, Brian, right? But if you go back to the parable, the word that they used for weeds in the parable that Jesus told referred to something called darnel, right? It was a weed um, that back then it looked so much like wheat, you couldn't tell the difference until the plant grew up, until it fully matured, okay? So the thing is that weeds nowadays in our life are going to be totally unrecognizable to you and I sometimes, Okay, we're gonna be with wheat and weeds in our field, right? And we're not gonna be able to tell the difference. The weeds are the people who claim to be Christian, but are really just jerks, right? Like these are the people who know the Christianese lingo that can talk the talk and they got the coffee mug and they got the whatever, you know, but they really don't know the Lord. These are the people who may look like good people and they're close to Christian, but they aren't really believers, and that, it got really quiet and really serious. Does this sound a bit familiar to you guys? Hmm. Uh, are you thinking of someone right now specifically? Or their question, is this you? Right? Are you a weed? And how do you know if you are a weed? I think the first thing the parable helps us to see is that time is going to tell. Right? The weeds and the wheat have to grow together. And as they mature and as you, grow, as you guys grow and mature, you're going to be able to know more. And here at PVN, man, we want to help you to know the difference, to tell what you are right now. And that's uh, why we have small groups here and really awesome small group leaders where you can do life with them. You can do life together with people. Uh, you can lean on each other, confess sin, uh, do all that awesome stuff, right? So that you guys can hopefully see it. We want you to see it because the earlier that you can see it, the better. And if you can figure that out now, before you go to high school, middle schoolers, or before you go to college, man, you're gonna save yourself and others from a lot of pain. Uh, because the truth that we learn from this text is that if you are a weed, you know you are because you drain the life out of the wheat because of how tangled with their roots that you get to the weed, right? You, you suck the life out of the wheat. 
And if the wheat are healthy Christians, the weeds are unhealthy and toxic non-Christians, right? The weeds make fun of people. They gossip and they hate. They're angry a lot. They're, they're joking maybe all the time and they put themselves uh, down or they put other people down. They're judgmental, they're manipulative, they, they never or barely ever apologize, they make it all about them, and they sin, and they don't repent. That's the big thing. Does this sound like you? Are you a wheat or, or a weed? Are you part of the kingdom of God or not? And how do you show yourself as part of the kingdom of God outside this building, right? Th- think about that with me. How do you show it outside of this building, in your school, or with your friends, behind closed doors, on your uh, team, or in the band, or in your relationships, right? Maybe with your parents, uh, or with, with your enemies, right? You may not call them your enemies or whatever, but like with the people that you don't really like too much, or maybe they don't really like you, right? Think about it, because here's the thing, and I'm gonna get serious, because I know you guys, and I know that you guys know that I love y'all, and I'm not coming after you, okay? But if you're being honest with yourself here, how many of you guys are good kids that know how to play the part of Christian and how many of you are actually following Jesus and really chasing after God's kingdom? The earlier you can figure that out, the better. Because man, I wish I would have figured it out earlier. Uh, you know, most of y'all know my story, uh, but growing up, I was a weed, for sure. Uh, I looked like wheat, right? I looked like a Christian. I was that good kid that could play the parts, and I knew a lot about God, but I didn't know him personally. I didn't really care about following Jesus. I didn't really care about his kingdom. I was too busy chasing girls and playing soccer or whatever, you know? The, what, what I'm saying by this is that God helped me to see. And halfway through high school, I started to care for the first time, and it changed my life. It changed my whole world. And I went from weed, literally, to wheat, right, from death to life, from not trusting in God to wanting to make my whole life about him, and I matured, and I grew up in college, and I'm still growing now, so much to the point where, like, here I am now talking to you guys about what I wish I would have known back then. The earlier you get this, the better, because you can grow up your whole life thinking you're wheat, but end up being a weed. Let that sink in. Um, so Jesus wants us to understand that this is part of his plan. It, it, it's not a coincidence. It's, it, this is a part of his plan. It's a part of his plan for the weeds and the wheat to grow together. And as much as they, you know, as much as we want to be like the servants that Jesus was talking about in the parable and, and go and, you know, ask, ask, the, ask the sower, ask Jesus, hey, let's just go gather all the weeds. Let's gather all the fake Christians and the apathetic Christians and the other people that lead others away from the kingdom or from our Christian community over here. Jesus tells us in verse 29, no. So to do the opposite would be disobeying him. But Jesus, Jesus says no. In verse 29, we can put that up. Don't gather them. Why? Because Jesus says, because if you gather the weeds, you may pull out the wheat too. They have to grow together. Christians will have to grow with non-Christians. And maybe like me, maybe some weeds will be wheat in the end. Maybe some weeds will just stay weeds, fake Christians, fake teachers. But Jesus says, don't worry about it. I got it. I got it. Verse 30 is his command for us to grow together until the harvest when he returns and he establishes his kingdom forever and he brings his wheat to his barn, his people to his kingdom and the weeds, what does it say it's gonna happen to them? They're gonna burn. 
Guys, Jesus is the final judge, not us. So you should probably leave the judgment to Jesus and learn how to exist and handle evil the way that Jesus teaches us how to for now on, on this side of eternity before he comes back. And man, going into college, I'm not perfect at this. I'm just saying going into college was a big learning curve for me on this. Uh, and it's still something I'm, I'm, I'm learning right now. Some people go into college and they start like coasting in their faith. Like they join BYX or they're, uh, you know, that's a Christian frat. Uh, or they like, uh, you know, they try to do the whole Christian thing, but like they got one foot in over here in the world and the other foot here just like chilling, doing whatever Christian stuff, you know. The, the coffee mug thing, all that. Uh, and then you got some other people that just walk away from the faith entirely. But for some of you guys here, I think it's gonna be a little bit different. Some of you guys are gonna go into college and you're gonna be passionate about Jesus. And you're gonna wanna follow him and you're, maybe you're gonna wanna go into ministry. Maybe you're gonna wanna have a family and, have a, and be a godly mom and a, and a godly dad. Maybe you wanna do something like that. Um, but when you get to college, you're gonna have to learn like I did, how to do life with people that really love Jesus, people that really don't love Jesus, and some people that act like they do, right? And that is what Jesus is calling the servants in his story to do, and what is he, it, this is what he's calling us to do, because one day he will make everything right, and we won't have to do that anymore. Man, I look forward to that day. <laughs> I get exhausted sometimes, and I'm like, oh man, Jesus, come back. Uh, and I, I used to, not gonna lie, I wasn't always like that. I used to put it off and uh, I was joking with someone about this the other day, but I, was, I used to brush it off and be like, hey God, I want you to come back, but like, can you wait till college? Like wait till college. So I'm gonna do some fun stuff in college. I'm gonna play soccer. That'd be nice. Just, just wait till college. Uh, but then I got to college and I was like, all right, Jesus, like you can come back and all. Uh, and I'd love that. But after Haley and I get married, you know? And so then Haley and I got married. And I was like, man, God, you're so good. Mm-mm-mm, you're so good, right? And, you, and your divine timing, you know, just, you take your time, you please uh, just return and bring your kingdom. But also, God, it would be really nice if like Haley and I could be like, you know, a mom and a dad, like it would be really nice if we could have kids, like that'd be cool. Um, and, and then if you guys know, Haley and I got a dog named Scooby, right? And if anyone knows Scooby and how crazy he is, he's basically like a toddler. And so they understand now that I'm pretty much like, man, come Lord Jesus right now, any moment, what, come on. We're, we're waiting anytime now, anytime now. Uh, but anyways, I, I love him to death, whatever. But uh, I've mentioned the, the harvest a lot here. And as I wrap up my message around here, I think we should look into how Jesus explains what the harvest is. So in the second part of verse 39 and continuing on to verse 43, Jesus describes the harvest by saying this. He says, the harvest is the end of the age and the reapers are angels. And just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be in the end of the age. And the Son of Man will send his angels and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. Do you have ears? You should listen. Especially right now, if you haven't been listening, this is the best time to check back in. <laughs> Because the harvest day that Jesus is referring to, he also calls the end of the age, which is a really cool way of saying the end of one era or one time period and the start of a new era, right? The era of God's eternal kingdom and Jesus' eternal reign, right? And it, if you listen to Jesus' explanation, you might see that his era is gonna bring one of two things, okay? So number one, Jesus says that the weeds are gonna be gathered up and burned with fire in a fiery furnace where there's gonna be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Sounds like a pretty dope place to hang out, right? No. No, it's not. It's because it's not a place to hang out. It's hell. It's a literal and spiritual hell. 
okay? Separation from God for eternity that leaves you suffering forever. And people don't preach about this a ton because it's not as cool anymore. I, I don't know why. And, and it's sad because Jesus talked about it tons. He took it seriously. He understood the weight of it because this is serious stuff. Like our sin is so serious that it separates us from relationship with God forever, right? And the truth is that good or bad people don't go to heaven or hell. People that don't repent, that don't turn away from their sins and that don't trust in Jesus as king, they don't make it into the kingdom. They go to hell forever. You can't get into the kingdom without the king, right? But the second thing about this era, number two, is that those who make it to the kingdom will be together with God for eternity and will shine like the sun forever with him. They'll shine, they won't suffer. These are the people who have been made right with God. They repented and they believed in Jesus' sacrifice for their sins and they believe that Jesus is king. And evil and sin and those that are evil and sinful, they're gonna be judged by Jesus one day and they're gonna be no more, right? God's kingdom will have no more obstacles at that point, no more oppression, nothing holding it back. God's kingdom will be fully grown and God will have the final word. So landing the plane here, if Jesus understood hearing as listening and obeying, how do we apply the teaching from Jesus's parable? I think the first thing we have to do is to repent, to turn away from our sin and to believe the gospel. So when Jesus first started his ministry, teaching other people to follow his way, he, he said that the time is fulfilled, that the kingdom of God is at hand. It is here. It is now. It is in this room. You can experience this reality now through him. So he said, repent and believe in the gospel. And depending on the soil of your heart, you're, you're gonna hear this parable and you're gonna respond in different ways. Maybe you're sitting here listening to this message and this has just flown over your head. You're thinking about Fortnite. You ignored it. You rejected it. It's because you want to keep living your own life or maybe you just don't care about the preaching. This is just another Wednesday night where you just come and you just sit and listen, right? Well, I hope seeds are being planted then uh, and that you will receive this message later in life and hear it or that you'll snap back into reality right now and hear this. Maybe you're sitting here and you know of Jesus or you think you believe in Jesus, but you haven't really made Jesus your king. You haven't really surrendered fully to him. You don't know how to move forward and live in his kingdom and walk in his ways. And maybe you're sitting here and you know that Jesus is king, right? And you would love to be in his kingdom and walk in those ways, but life for whatever reason is really hard right now. There's a lot of stuff going on at home that is way too hard to carry, a lot of stuff with school, friendships, whatever it may be. And maybe you're ready to throw in the towel with this whole Christian thing. You're ready to call it quits. You don't know if you can keep going because this Christian life's hard. Or maybe you're sitting here and you, you learn from this parable. You actually listen to what the Lord was saying, right? But maybe you're like me uh, and you feel the weight of Jesus' words because you know you haven't done the best job of trusting in Jesus while the wheat grows with the weeds and it makes you discouraged. Maybe you don't know if you're a wheat or a weed. Maybe you need to have a heart to heart with Jesus. I think tonight is your, your night to do that. Regardless of where you're at, Jesus is calling you to relationship with him, to be a part of his kingdom, to see him as king, to, to not settle for the kings and the kingdoms of this world and the things that come with them, but to trust and hope and more. And our greatest hope, it, it's gotta be in Jesus, guys. Uh, his kingdom to come and his will to be done. That's what the parables are pointing us to and I hope and I pray that the Lord will help you to hear that. Let's pray together really quick and then we'll worship.